The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, November 23rd. I'm Terry Arango with my guest, Laurie Ahern, President of Disability Rights International. Established in 1993, Washington, D.C.-based Disability Rights International documents conditions, publishes reports on human rights enforcement, and promotes international oversight of the rights of people with mental disabilities. Disability Rights International has received the Wellstone Mental Health Visionary Award in 2009, the American Psychiatric Association's Human Rights Award in 2009, the Thomas J. Dodd Award in International Justice and Human Rights, and more. Laurie Ahern is responsible for all of the day-to-day operations of the Disability Rights International organization. She also oversees Disability Rights International's European offices in Kosovo and Serbia. She conducts human rights investigations and is the co-author of Torture Not Treatment, United States, Torment Not Treatment, Serbia, Behind Closed Doors, Turkey, and Hidden Suffering, Romania. For 10 years before joining Disability Rights International, Laurie was the co-founder and co-director of the National Empowerment Center. She is the recipient of the National Mental Health Association's Clifford Beers Award and the Bazelon Center for Mental Health's Laws Advocacy Award. The website is www.disabilityrights, and then the abbreviation for international, intl.org. So I'm going to spell that out for you because this is important, www.disabilityrights.org. And after today's show, I encourage you to read more about Disability Rights International and Laurie Ahern. Laurie, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much, Terry. It's a pleasure to be on your show today. I really appreciate that lovely introduction. Well, you're welcome. It's a privilege to have you here. And, Laurie, we're going to start in America for our American listeners, move to Mexico and the rest of the world, and then talk about your Disability Rights International worldwide campaign to end the institutionalization of children. So, first... Let's look at your report, Torture, Not Treatment, Electric Shock, and Long-Term Restraint in the United States on Children and Adults with Disabilities at the Judge Rotenberg Center. What was this report a result of, Laurie? Well, the Judge Rotenberg Center is a notorious uh, place, uh, which is the only place that we're aware of in the world, um, never mind just in the United States, but in the world uh, that uses electric skin shocks on children with disabilities um, as punishment for their behavior. 
and somehow try to shock uh, shock them to behave in a way in which they they would like them to behave. Um, advocates have been working for literally four decades to to shut down the Judge Rotenberg Center and to stop these horrific abuses. Um, advocates came to us and said, is there a way you can help us? Uh, we generally in the past have not worked in the United States because there are advocates uh, of many kinds, family groups, um, self-advocates, legal advocacy groups um, in the United States that have been working on this issue. However, one, I, I guess one final frontier that hadn't been really used with JRC in an effort to stop these abuses was to apply international human rights law um, to the torture that's going on at JRC, and that's why we decided to try something different that had not been tried. Um, advocates had taken court cases in um, Massachusetts and in New York in an effort to stop um, children from being tortured with electricity and long-term restraint and food deprivation and many of the things that they use there um, on children with disabilities. And um, and so we just decided to, you know, try this as, a, I guess, a last-ditch effort to try something new. State legislators had, for years, decades, every year in the Massachusetts state legislature, they would, someone would put a bill forward that would not allow this to happen, and every year parents would get up and say, no, no, you can't do this. This is the only thing available to my child. Um, and every year the bills would fail. So that is what brought us to this point where we decided to do a report ourselves. A very sad state of affairs when a parent has to to feel or justify that the only thing that's available to their child is a place that delivers um, torture. It uh, is. It is. It's. It, it's. You know. I. I. I certainly feel for parents who um, feel that desperate, and if there is not services that there, if there are not services available to them, uh, that's a failure of the system. Um, and, but it doesn't. It certainly doesn't justify. Um, this kind of treatment to um, to children or anyone else. No, not at all. And you've made the distinction in your reports um, that torture should not be used as synonymous with treatment. Treatment is a misnomer for something that tortures the individual. So to whom was this report an urgent appeal? Well, <clears throat> there is, excuse me, there is um, the United Nations uh, Convention Against Torture, and these are international, this is an international human rights law, Convention Against Torture, which the United States has signed the Convention Against Torture. So they are bound by that convention. Um, the United States typically does not sign too many international treaties, but this is one that they did sign. And um, the UN has the UN Office of the High Commissioner on Human Rights and within that office is a special rapporteur. Um, it's called the Special Rapporteur on Torture. And his job, his name was Manfred Nowak, and his job was to visit countries and answer appeals uh, from 
countries, on people in countries, who know of torture going on in their country. So one could write an appeal, write a letter, uh, write um, up a, a case of suspected torture, and most often this this mechanism is used by, um, say, if someone was inside of China or North Korea or, 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 or a country where it would be dangerous for someone to report torture. It's an anonymous, typically it's an anonymous um, kind of procedure where a group, uh, Amnesty International or Human Rights Watch or some group in a country that has a chapter can say these political prisoners or these dissidents are being tortured. And then when the UN receives this um, this complaint or this urgent appeal, they investigate it themselves, and if they think it's a legitimate case of torture, then they contact the government. And governments who have signed the torture convention um, are, and even if they haven't signed the torture convention, they would they would contact that government and say that they they believe that there's torture going on in their country, and they need to look into it. And they need to investigate it. So we sent this report to the UN High Commissioner's Office, the Special Rapporteur on Torture. He looked into it, he investigated it, and then he wrote a seven-page letter to the State Department, um, the United States State Department, saying, alleging that there was torture going on at JRC. Right, and and again, um, let's reemphasize, why this route, Laurie? Does U.S. law provide protection against this to children and adults with disabilities? It it really doesn't. Um, I believe if if it did, this wouldn't be going on. Um, it really does not. I mean, we know that there are corporal punishment going on in schools. Um, there are all kinds of uh, abuses going on in schools. The um, the Americans with Disabilities Act does uh, provide some measure of protection as far as discrimination, but this 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 kind of um, treatment of people and children. Um, in a locked facility where no one knows what's going on, really rises to the level of torture, and um, and and that it, we felt strongly about that that needed to be addressed on an international stage. And Manfred Noack, the Special Rapporteur on Torture, who normally would do this very quietly because they would have to protect those people in different countries who would report the torture. In some cases, their lives would be in danger by reporting torture against their government. Uh, but he came out very publicly um, on ABC News and spoke very publicly and said this was without a doubt torture. That, um, in fact, he said that um, it's a it's inflicted in a situation where a victim is powerless. And he said a child tied to a restraint chair or a board, being then subjected to electric shocks all over their body. How powerless can you be? My gosh. I have a statement here from Manfred Noack. Um, He was addressing uh, the U.N. General Assembly in July 2008. Was that in reference to this situation at the Judge Rotenberg Center? No, no. Actually, um, the first time that that he responded to uh, our torture in terms of people with disabilities, we wrote a report... um, about Serbia and the conditions of children in Serbian institutions, and that was a result of our meeting with him uh, about our report in Serbia. 
Okay. I'd still like to, to read this quote from Manfred Nowak mm-hmm. uh, because I think that it's applicable to the situation as well. And he says, by reframing violence and abuse perpetrated against persons with disabilities as torture or a form of ill treatment, victims and advocates can be afforded stronger legal protection and redress for violations of human rights. That's right. Um, <clears throat> the excuse me. The um, the UN Convention Against Torture states that um, that torture is an act by which pain or severe pain or suffering, whether physical or mental, is intentionally inflicted. And it goes on to say, for any reason based on discrimination of any kind. And we felt strongly that the convention against torture applied to people with disabilities because the reason these people are being tortured is because they have a disability. This kind of treatment would not be, it's not used in prisons, it's not used against any person without a disability, it would not be allowed in any other setting. But because people have disabilities here in this setting, they are being discriminated against and it's being allowed to happen to this population whereas no one else would be subjected to this. And I want to applaud your insight and strategy in reframing the discussion, transitioning it from one simply of discrimination related to disability to one of torture, by which I think you've been more effective. Thank you. Um, well, you know, we, again, we feel strongly that, um, and I think Manfred's words about refra- reframing violence and abuse, that you can't, you can't do experimental treatment on people and subject them to this kind of torture. You know, to to put, a le- you know, I will, your your listeners, I'd like them to understand that that these children are carrying around backpacks with homemade electrodes uh, stuck to their skin and being shocked completely all the time without ever knowing when they're going to get a shock. It's horrifying. And we'll talk a little bit more about when we come back from break. I just want to emphasize before we go to break that. The UN Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhuman, or Degrading Treatment or Punishment, which was ratified by the U.S. in 1994, prohibits torture without exception, even if it takes place in a school or a medical establishment and is justified by authorities as a form of treatment. And with that, we want to thank our sponsor, Enzmedica, and we will be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? 
Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Laurie Hearn, president of Disability Rights International, and that website address again is www.disabilityrightsintl.org. And let's pick up, Laurie, with the Judge Rotenberg Center. Can you tell us more in depth about the situation of what was going on there? Sure. Um, there are about 200, and 200 or so children and young adults. Some of them have actually grown up in the facility. Uh, basically, the treatment there is long-term restraint and shock. There, uh, as I was saying before the break, that Children carry these backpacks that have a homemade shock device in them, and then there are electrodes attached to their skin, their legs, their arms, their torsos, the bottom of their feet, their fingertips, and a worker has a remote control similar to a television remote control and at any time can press the button and a child will get a shock, and they and they can get multiple shocks, and they can get them 20 times a day, 100 times a day. Um, for behaviors in our report, uh, our be- behaviors such as standing up without raising your hand, without asking, talking when you're not supposed to talk. Um, it's definitely a, an atmosphere of fear. I can only just imagine how horrific it is for children to never know um, when when they might get shocked and and the shock is quite painful it's not um, it's not just a little pinch it's a painful shock I remember being almost now 25 years ago when I was a journalist I was at the state of Massachusetts State House and they were having a hearing on this very place about the shock and there was a state legislator who had the shock on his hand. He wanted to see how painful it was. And he was a great big guy. He was sitting in a chair, and the shock machine went off on his hand, on his arm, and he fell out of his chair onto the floor. So this is a serious shock. 
Um, I interviewed students um, that have had the shock. I've interviewed teachers who work there, and um, they say it's 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 horrific. And I want to read some read our listeners some of the quotes from your report. Mm-hmm. Going uh, along, consistent with what you've just said. And then really encourage listeners to go to your website after the show and find out how they can help. This says um, that you interviewed a psychologist who visited Judge Rotenberg Center on behalf of the New York State Department of Education. By the way, Laurie, I can't, it's just unfathomable that this should be going on for so many decades uh, with people trying to make it stop, but it, it's continuing. The report quoted the psychologist as saying, the level of shock is unbelievable, very painful. No other class of citizen in the United States could be subjected to this. You could not do this to a convicted felon. Right, right. And then <clears throat> that's right, that's right. Um, and as I said, I interviewed students who who had had it, and they said it was horrible. And the 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 pain is horrible, and then the fear of when you're going to get it. I interviewed one mother who whose son was in JRC. And um, and she eventually stopped him from getting the shock, and because the shock is basically the only treatment that they offer, they have no real physical therapy or any kind of um, emotional therapy or or anything, you know, talk therapy or. Um, and she she her son was um, basically tied in a chair for three years after after um, she stopped the shock. But she said when she would go in and visit. Uh, She'd see one child get the shock, and all the other children around would be screaming and crying because they'd be afraid that they were going to get it next. And so, so the level of fear is, is constant. And then there, there's a situation where, you know, they're not allowed to speak to the workers. The workers are not allowed to speak to them, other than to talk to them about their bad behaviors. Um, the, there's no socializing. They're not. They have to earn the right to talk to each other. Um, they have to. What they have to earn as a right is something that we all take for granted as, as human beings living here in the United States. What is a privilege for them is a is a you know, and something they have to earn is something we take for granted. And your report continues talk, talking about the fear factor. Additionally, children are shackled, restrained, and secluded for months at a time. Social isolation and food deprivation as punishment is common. Mock and threaten stabbings to forcibly elicit unacceptable behaviors, which then result in electric shock punishments, known as behavioral research lessons, or BRLs, have been reported to MDRI and state regulatory bodies as well. And your report quoted a former student. The worst thing ever was the BRLs. They try and make you do a bad behavior, and then they punish you. The first time I had a BRL, two guys came in the room and grabbed me. I had no idea what was going on. They held a knife to my throat, and I started to scream, and I got shocked. I had BRLs three times a week for stuff I didn't even do. It went on for about six months or more. I was in a constant state of paranoia and fear. I never knew if a door opened if I would get one. It was more stress than I could ever imagine. Horror. Exactly. Exactly, and I and, and and yeah, it was really painful to talk to this young girl who spent several years there. Um, it's 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 beyond it's 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 kind of hard to wrap your head around 
that that anyone could think that something like this would would be going on would would be in any way helpful um, there are a variety of um, a variety of kids with disabilities there at JRC and they range from uh, children who are nonverbal or young people who are nonverbal um, who have been diagnosed on the autism spectrum children with intellectual disabilities and then there are kids now that um, have been diagnosed with uh, ADD, kids with um, psychiatric uh, and emotional behavioral problems, kids that have gotten in trouble with the law, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a wide variety. And I just can't imagine, I mean, certainly a kid with a child with a, a really challenging and disability or nonverbal might not even be able to connect what it is that they're getting shocked for. And, you know, uh, the there's one child there in particular who's no longer a child. He's been there since he was 11 years old. He started getting shocked when he was 11. He's 31 years old, and he's still there getting shocked. And because people develop sort of a, I don't want to say an immunity to the shock, but they they get used to, I hate to say, some level of this pain, the school has developed an even stronger second iteration of the shock machine. They make the shock machines there. Um, they have their own workshop. Well, they've come up with an even stronger version. And now they are working, according to their website, they're working on a third version. And what do you do? You shock them till somebody has a heart attack or someone dies? Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just... And behind closed doors of a locked institution, you know, what, what they say is going on and then what is reportedly going on when you talk to former teachers and <clears throat> and uh and students um it's you know it's, it's it's just it's beyond belief and for so many of our children who have autism who have gastrointestinal pain and That's who right. are nonverbal who who are among the neediest among us who would be behaviorally expressing their physiological pain mm -hmm, that would exactly. go ignored. They would be the ones getting shocked, the, uh, among those getting shocked the most. That's right. That's right. Because they wouldn't be able to communicate in a way that these workers would be able to even begin to understand or would even try to understand. Right. Um, and <clears throat> also there have been, we didn't focus on it in the report too much, but there have been, many deaths at the school over its history, and several of them were from gastrointestinal kinds of problems. And um, although the school has never been um, charged with any wrongdoing, uh, they were censured by, at one point, by um, uh, the state of Massachusetts, I believe, for um, basically a child, a young woman, was um, having gastrointestinal you know, gastric problems and was moaning and acting out according to them. And they spent the day shocking her and torturing her and pinching her and spraying her with ammonia and, in her, and pepper sprays and all. Oh, it's just beyond belief. And the girl died, the woman died the next day, the young woman. And it, so, you know, people, and in fact, in the report, there is one um, quote by a teacher 
uh, about a girl being shocked, and basically um, she had, uh, it was found out later that she had a broken tooth. Uh, so, sure. yes, it's, it's just... Um, yeah, I have that right here. It says, <coughs> it says one girl who was blind, deaf, and nonverbal was moaning and rocking. Her moaning was like a cry. The staff shocked her for moaning. Turned out she had a broken tooth. Laurie, before we go to break, mm-hmm. are there penalties for the perpetrators? Under the torture convention, there are. Yes, and that's. We can talk a little bit more about that, but yes, there, there, there are serious consequences. When we come back, we'll summarize the positive effects that your investigation and this report have had, and then we will. Look at the rest of the world in your new campaign. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back with Laria Hearn of Disability Rights International here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Most chronic health problems are caused by the interaction between genetic susceptibility and environmental exposure. This was defined 10 years ago by the Centers for Disease Control. Join Dr. Robin Bernhoft for 21st Century Medicine. We will cover the whole spectrum of chronic illness and little-known medical treatments that are being used to make you healthier. 21st Century Medicine airs live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Laria Hearn, president of Disability Rights International, www.disabilityrightsintl.com. 
org, and we've been talking about the Judge Rotenberg Center in Canton, Massachusetts, and um, Disability Rights International report, Torture, Not Treatment, Electric Shock and Long-Term Restraint in the United States on Children and Adults with Disabilities at the Judge Rotenberg Center, and it's on the Disability Rights International website. Laurie, we're going to talk, summarize the positive effects that your investigation and report have had, but first, uh, does the center make a certain amount of money per student? They don't seem to be providing any efficacious services, just the opposite. Right. Uh, well, it's it's a roughly $220,000 per year per child, um, and so the, the income of JRC is somewhere in the $55 million plus range, and that is basically taxpayer dollars. It's money that uh, states... And uh, and towns and school school departments are spending to send um, children to JRC. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Could taxpayers get some sort of a, a a bill or referendum that they don't want their tax money to go to such things? Well, I mean, it's it's you know it's public uh, Medicaid, Medicare, Medicaid, I believe it is, and uh, the states the states spending money that comes from the federal government. Well, on children's education, and this is considered a school, a uh, special needs school. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> it is quite remarkable. It really is. Um, and I think it's important for people to understand that there are, obviously, and people do understand that there are other places where um, kids can get services that are truly helpful to them and helpful to their families. And mm-hmm. I did talk to... Um, uh, Parents who have sent their children, taken them out of JRC and sent them to other places, and <clears throat> and also therapists that work with uh, people that have been formerly in JRC and who are doing just fine uh, without any use of restraint or without any use of painful aversives. Um, they have challenges, but so don't we all have challenges. Um, but they're they're doing just fine, even 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 people who had been having difficulty in terms of uh, uh, hurting themselves and, and that kind of thing. I, I can only imagine that um, if, if, if a child has a tendency towards that, and I'm not an expert in that area, but if they have a tendency towards that, I can only imagine that that kind of environment would exacerbate a problem like that. Absolutely. Right. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. If, if, they're, if they were hurting themselves in the first place because their physiological um, maladies weren't being addressed or exactly. one thing, and, and then all of the, the frustration and other negative things that come from that sort of, I don't even want to call it treatment. Right. Treatment, for lack of a better word, that word. The way right, right, right. We, we use it in a non-medical sense. All right, so can you summarize for us, please, the positive effects your investigation and report have had uh, on a national and or international level? Well, certainly. Um, I'd like to say that the place is no longer in existence. That's what I'd like to say, and that's what I'm hoping for, that eventually uh, these kinds of practices will, you know, cease to exist. As a result of um, if our urgent appeal to the U.N., um, to the Special Rapporteur, as I mentioned, he wrote a letter to the State Department asking the State Department to investigate what he called torture. He went on national television to pressure the government on this topic uh, to stop this. The State Department and the Department of Justice had 
received a complaint months before our uh, our report was released, and it was to, to look into this, what was going at JRC as a discrimination case. However, this has been elevated now to a torture case, um, as far as we're concerned and as far as the U.N. Um, Special Rapporteur is concerned and the U.N. High Commissioner on Human Rights. Uh, and we are pressuring in every way we can the Department of Justice and the State Department to admit that this is a torture um, case and not just a simple case of some discrimination and that it be acted upon immediately. And by immediately, the government is responsible to stop torture of of and by its citizens, and they could stop the torture at JRC. And torturers are can be punished, and they can be subjected to um, uh, to um, law and to jail. And reparations can be made to those who have been tortured. So the stakes are a lot higher um, as a as a torture case as opposed to um, a discrimination. Again, thank you for the insight to pursue uh, this this strategy. Uh, let's move on to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mexico, yes. You have a report coming out very shortly, which is currently embargoed, but please give us an update on the conditions and progress as best you can. Sure. Um, you know, our organization does do investigations and reports on the human rights conditions of people with disabilities, especially mental disabilities, and the reason I say that is that although we find in institutions children with and adults with a variety of disabilities, um, the, there's a disproportionate amount of people with intellectual disabilities and children and also psychiatric sometimes um, represented. Um, and in Mexico, that was no different. <clears throat> we, um, we spent quite a long time, over a year, visiting many, many institutions, and we are releasing a report on the conditions in Mexican institutions um, next Tuesday, the 30th of November. Um, it'll be appearing, it's scheduled to appear a show about it on ABC News and ABC News Nightline. Uh, and it's also, uh, we uh, expect an article uh, the next day uh, in the New York Times. Or we're having a press conference in Mexico City on uh, next Tuesday about this report. And the reason we do these reports is because they do bring worldwide attention. They help the advocates. They give a tool to the advocates that are in the countries to work for change and reform. Uh, and they, quite frankly, embarrass governments and get them to uh, pay attention to some of the most vulnerable people in the population. And in, in this case, a, a real example of this is one of the things that we found that we'll be reporting on next week is children in institutions disappearing, basically trafficking of children out of institutions, trafficking for trafficking for sex, trafficking trafficking for labor, and trafficking for organs. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And what the problem is is that children, they're not, they're, street children are picked up, children are dropped off at these institutions, there's no record kept of them, um, no one knows 
their names, their ages, where they are. In fact, we interviewed one grandmother who, whose child, uh, whose uh, granddaughter had been taken away from her parents because of a domestic violence situation in the home and was the grandmother had wanted to take the um, her granddaughter, but the authorities took the child from the parents and put the child in an institution. And when the grandmother and the parents went back to try to get the child back in the home, she had disappeared. And no one knew where or how, and she was an eight-year-old girl. And that was in 2007, and they have ne- They've never found her. So we have. We're going to be reporting on that. We're going to be reporting on what are referred to as abandonados, which are basically children, young people left in institutions for a lifetime. They they're dropped off. They're put in there, and uh, with absolutely nothing. Think of you know just empty walls empty floors, a mattress maybe on a, on the floor, disgustingly unhygienic, horrible conditions, no therapy, no toys, no television, no anything, and left basically for a lifetime. No, no legal way to get out, no legal rights, um, and this we saw over and over again. Um, and... It almost sounds, from what you said, Laurie, like there is incentive in in the Mexican situation to take the kids uh, away from the parents. Well, I mean, the again, the problem that we find in Mexico that we've also found in um, many, many other countries is that parents who do want to keep their children don't have... With this, these are mainly children with disabilities, uh, but not all. Um, there's no incentive for parents to keep their children. There's no support. Uh, kids are, with disabilities are shunned and not allowed to go to school. There's no respite care. Um, so there, there's always that issue that's sort of overarching. And then when you add sort of a a total disregard for the value of human life when it's a person with a disability right. or a child with a disability. Um, I think that's an overarching theme that we find everywhere we go, and Mexico is is no different. But there are certainly good parents that want to keep their children, um, and 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 don't get the support to do it. And and in this case, where the parents were having a problem. I don't know why they didn't let the grandparents take the child, but they didn't. But then when the problem was resolved in the home, um, the child had disappeared. And there's an estimated 20,000 children trafficked in Mexico every year. And, of course, when again, the dangers of being locked away in an institution. No one sees what's going on. No one knows what's going on. And there's no documentation of who's in Who's in, you know, who who who's in these um, institutions? There's no records kept, and it would be, it's 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 fraught with um, the possibility of abuse. Right, and back in your show about Serbia, um, you had a show, I believe, on on uh, 2020 or was it Dateline a while back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about Serbia, 
And again, parents are told, you know, this is the best thing for the the child, the That's infant right. child, or the the family for them to do. And 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 heartbreakingly, they do it. It, it it's it's really sad. I mean, it, for instance, in in Serbia, I remember walking through the halls of this institution, and there were rows and rows of um, small children, children with diagnosed with autism, children diagnosed with um, labeled with um, intellectual disabilities, children with Down syndrome, and then also children and young adults with um, with uh, cerebral palsy. And um, one particular kid, I. I don't think I'll ever quite recover from it myself. As I was standing over this crib, and he—he he was very small, but but um, he was about—he was a teenager and a young adult. And I asked the nurse how long he he had been here, and she said eleven years. And I said, no, no, no. How, how long have you been in this crib? And she said, he's been in the crib eleven years. And I said, you mean to tell me he's been in this crib without ever getting out for 11 years? And she said, yes. And, and I was just, I was, I was just horrified. And I, I said, does she have, does he have any parents? And she said, yes, he has a mother who comes every few months, but she has other children and it's a long, long bus ride to the institution and she comes about every three or four months. And, and this child, this young adult, who I said was very small because he could only grow to the size of the crib he was in, and he never left the crib. But she, the nurse told me when the mother came and would stroke his cheek, little tears would come down, even though he was nonverbal and even though they didn't think he had any capacity for understanding anything. Um, and so, well, you know, there are parents like that 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 do visit their children that would give anything if they had the means and support to keep their children. And then there are people also that think that the state can do a better job than they can, and probably in some cases where they have no resources whatsoever, they just think that the state will take care of them. And um, it's heartbreaking. And also there's always the overlay of the medical systems in many of these countries saying, put your put your child with a disability in an institution and forget about them and concentrate on your healthy children. I've heard that many, many times in many, many countries. Laurie, we'll be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We will be right back to talk about the worldwide campaign to end the institutionalization of children. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the 
the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten, and Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Are you finding fitness a chore? Is health and nutrition too time-consuming for you? It doesn't have to be like that at all. Tune in to Fit Fan for Fun, lifestyle fitness with your host, Shira Litwack. Every week, Shira and her guests will show you the fun side of fitness. We'll invite you to send topic suggestions and questions via email, as well as call into the program. You'll get sensible fitness and nutrition advice in a relaxed and fun program. You won't look at fitness as an enemy ever again. Fit Fan for Fun airs every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Laurie Hearn, President of Disability Rights International. Laurie, you've made progress. Um, in Kosovo. Can you tell us about that, please? Sure. We've worked in Kosovo for a long time, and one of, one of besides writing reports and exposing abuses, one of our main um, areas of uh, work is to support local activists. Unlike the United States, where there's lots of advocacy groups and lots of um, disability rights people and legal advocates, in these countries that we go to, there, there are a lot of them, don't, nothing like that. When I went to Kosovo, several years ago, people with intellectual disabilities had nothing. They had no services. There were some in the institution. Gladly, there was only one institution. But most people and most children were kept at home, and, but they were out of, out of the mainstream of society. They could not go to school. They didn't go out on, you'd see no one on the streets with a disability, um, no access to uh, community life really whatsoever. And so we started a support group, which started out to be a peer support group of people with intellectual disabilities. It was very challenging to find people, and it was challenging to convince parents to let, you know, these were mostly young people who had never gone to school, never been out, um, to come. But eventually, it was over time, they, uh, they did let them come. The group grew bigger. People came. They enjoyed the social part of it. Even just getting on a bus and coming to the other side of town was a big, big deal. Um, now there are these groups throughout the countryside. There's five groups. Um, they have morphed from a, just a peer support group into a real advocacy group. We have helped them register um, to become their own non-governmental organization. 
They wrote a book of stories about their life before and now their life, really active in the community, and they're going to school. Uh, and that book about their life and about being a person with a disability in Kosovo is now a mand- mandatory part of the school curriculum. Wow. And, and, uh, and they lecture at the university, and they actually gone into the institution, talked to the director, and now they take out people who have lived in the institution for 10, 20, 30 years, and they take them out, and they bring them to their meetings, and they, um, they help them transition into the community. It's just really amazing, and we're, we're working on a documentary, which we expect will be on our website within the next month about their story, which is quite amazing. It gives me a lot of hope. Well done. And you have started the worldwide campaign to end the institutionalization of children. Can you tell us about that? We have. Uh, It's our goal. We would like to see um, within the next 10 years for it to be unacceptable to lock a child away in an institution and throw away the key. Children, we know, need love. They need families. They need support. Um, Institutions are basically a death sentence for children and they're fraught with abuses and it doesn't matter if it's a clean institution and it doesn't matter if there's toys hanging up or there's a Mickey Mouse mural on the wall they're still institutions and and they're devastating and damaging to the psychological um, well-being of children and so it's our our mission is to make sure that there are no Institutions, new institutions built where children stay and spend their lives. And um, part of that is exposing the abuses that go on behind the closed doors of children's institutions. But part of it is preventing money, international donor money, going to build new institutions. That is a big part of what we're working on. And how can listeners get involved in helping Disability Rights International in all of these goals? Oh, well, we, um, we certainly do rely on uh, the public tremendously. Our organization uh, does not get government uh, uh, money for, you know, any of this. Some of our advocacy work in, in the past, we've gotten a small amount, but for the most part we rely completely on individual donors and um, and foundations. Um, right now, what people could do uh, is we have a um, we're working with an organization called People First in New Hampshire, which is um, made up of people with disabilities, an organization run by people with disabilities, and um, and they have started they have started a uh, a petition. Uh, and if the listeners could go to um, our website, they'll find where they can sign on for the petition. The petition is to stop the practices at JRC, um, which that petition will be presented to uh, the governor of Massachusetts, the state legislature in Massachusetts, as well as the Department of Justice and the State Department. Uh, so that's something that people could do right now. Um, as I said, making a donation to our organization, we would be tremendously grateful because we really do depend on um, on the generosity of, of people. We're a small organization. We we get we are very lean and mean, and we use every dollar means a lot to us. Um, but we have a lot more countries and people that are asking us to go to their countries and expose abuses than than we can answer. And so. Um, um, 
it's and it's important that we do this because in many of these countries it's too it's too risky it's too dangerous for the people in the countries to expose abuses by going after their governments we've been threatened on many occasions i have been threatened our lives have been threatened that happens um but it's easier for us to do it than it is sometimes for people in the countries um and people can also go on our website and sign up for uh, um, our e-blasts, which we send out once a month, about what's going on and uh, and and what's happening uh, around the world in our work. But we we very much appreciate um, the support. We need it. Um, this is not easy work to do, uh, and um, but someone has to do it. And 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 we feel we feel every time we go behind the walls of an institution, we see people, especially children. Um, when they grab us and hug us, and and we see the kinds of abuses they're subjected to, it's um, it, it, it's a story that has to be has to be told, and it has to stop. And to our listeners again, the website is www.disabilityrightsintl.org for Disability Rights International. Laurie, I'm so touched by your giving these individuals a voice. The, the poor, neglected children hidden away while tied to cribs may never know how they have affected the world, but you and Disability Rights International have given them the voice to do it, them and other in, individuals. And I'd like to thank you for your hard and diligent work in mercy and compassion on their behalf. Oh, Terry, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And to our listeners, my guest next week is Dr. Corinne Allen on the topic of glutathione. For questions about this program, please email me at tiaranga at autismone.org. Thank you to this program's sponsor, Enzymedica, manufacturers of fine digestive enzymes to complement your therapeutic diet. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga.